Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we're talking about Bones and All, the new film from Luca Guadagnino, starring Timothy Chalamet and Taylor Russell as a pair of cannibals who are in love on a road trip across the country. It's a weird one, and uh, one that I really, really liked. And we have a great conversation coming up, lots of great puzzle pieces. Joining me is Josie DeMarco, who has been in the Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces group, uh, gave us some awesome puzzle pieces over the last few months uh, that I read on the trailer episodes, and I'm happy to have her here on the show. Uh, She has a YouTube channel, which she'll tell you about during the episode, so make sure to check out her stuff, and that conversation's coming up here in a second. Before we get to it, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser or Good Pods. And, of course, follow us on social media at Piecing Pod. And there's the Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces group. Don't forget about that, too. We'll be starting some trivia nights soon in there, which it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, if you want to join a group of really awesome people who love talking about movies with no trolls allowed, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces on Facebook. So with that said... Let's talk about Bones and All. All right, we've got Josie DeMarco with us today. Josie, how are you doing? I am doing well. Thank you for asking. Yeah, I'm uh, happy to finally have you on. We've talked about having you on over in the Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces group. And to yes. talk about a weird one like Bones and All seems like, uh, seems like a good one to, uh, to dig into. <laughs> There'll be a lot to talk about here yeah, for sure. What if- what I love about Bones and All is how empathetic it is mm-hmm. towards people who would otherwise be viewed as monsters. And sure. aesthetically, I love how it looks like a film from the 80s. Mm. And especially with the Reznor and Ross score only adding to that feeling. And the performances by Taylor Russell and uh, Timothy Chalamet are excellent. They brings so much humanity and vulnerability. The screenplay is just so clever with the way it utilizes the rules of the cannibals. Mm. For that reason alone, in addition to just the humanization, it deserves a Best Adapted Screenplay nomination at the Oscars 1,000%. Oh, I would I would absolutely agree with that. And there, we'll get into it as we're getting through like pieces and stuff like that, but there are there is so much that I loved about this movie. And Me too. It, it's also certainly one of the most unique movies of the year. So, I mean, it it's really got that is. going on top of everything you were just saying. It's it got really that going is. for it. Like, so, 
Well, you know, before we get too deep into it, uh, it is your first time on the show. Why don't you tell my listeners a little about you and what you do? Um, my name is Josie DeMarco. I I have my own YouTube channel, full name Josephine DeMarco, and I do movie reviews and I recite poetry that I write. And well, what I like to do is kind of like what David does, where I like to sort of pair new newer movies and older movies mm. because, like, I want to show, I want to bridge the gap between the old and the new to show people that, you know, the story of cinema is the same story over and over again. <laughs> it's true. It's true. A lot of these same themes are gonna just keep coming up and the way i like to look at it is that's a good thing because it's just storytelling so it's uh, some people will look at it in a negative light and i'm like no you're missing the point the point is these are amazing stories and for a filmmaker to come along and throw a little spin on it that's that's an awesome place for something to start off and so i i have and on my instagram and tiktok follow me on instagram at positive poems where i have um poems that i write i upload them like from tiktok Mm-hmm. Uh, the the one social media site that I don't spend all day on, but I I, I, pro- I, I probably should. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I don't honestly. I don't look on TikTok because I'm sorry. I don't want to. I mean, I I use TikTok to uh, promote my writing, but I don't mm-hmm. look at other people's TikToks because I'm sorry. I don't want to see someone's ass in my face. <laughs> yeah, that seems to be what the majority of it is. But yeah, so, uh, yeah. On that on that note, let's get back to the movie. Let's talk about Bowenton Hall. Uh, yeah, I I think you know we we should start this off uh, talking about Guadagnino. Are you a fan of of his other films? Call Me by Your Name and Suspiria and everything. Yeah, I I, I remember liking uh, Sus- Suspiria and. Uh, Call Me By Your Name, um, I love the book so much, mm. and um, the the movie's a very faithful adaptation, and his scenery in his films is just gorgeous, mm. and uh, I, I have yet to see a bigger splash, but I intend to soon, yeah. but yeah, I like Juan Nino, yeah. I do. I do too. I do too. And uh, yeah, Call Me By Your Name is fantastic. And I really like Suspiria. I mean, it's obviously, it's a huge undertaking to try to remake something like oh, yeah. that, you know, oh, beloved. Yeah. But uh, I think I think he puts his own stamp on it and all the performances are so damn good in it. And, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I was definitely looking forward to this. And it, it's I? such an su- such an interesting concept uh, to, to have this love story between cannibals. It's especially people are very uh, touchy nowadays when it comes to like, you know, kind of out there concepts like this. And I was a, I was a little worried that people were not going to receive it well. Like, you know, oh, I can't watch a movie like that. And I don't know. I feel like most people are kind of enjoying this movie for what it is. I think. I think because, like I was saying, because it's so um, humanistic, mm-hmm. um, even even with uh, Mark Rylance's character as sadistic as he is, you do, like, there are layers to his character. Yeah. No, absolutely. There, there definitely is. And, uh, you know, our, our main two performances here, Taylor Russell and Timothy Chalamet, I mean, they're, they're kind of our entrance into this world of cannibalism. And... Uh, you know, they're both just so damn good in it. And, you know, two of the best, like, young actors working oh, right absolutely. now. I, I remember her yeah. in Waves. Uh, and that, oh, that yeah. That was so good. Oh, yeah. Um, 
So it's 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 exciting to see stuff like this happening. But th- there's plenty we'll have to talk about about the movie along the way. Why don't we start uh, digging into some pieces here? Okay. What do you have for your first puzzle piece? It's no surprise that my first puzzle piece is Catherine Bigelow's 1987 vampire flick, Near Dark. Yeah. I made this comparison in my out-of-the-theater reaction on TikTok. And I'm not the first person to make this connection. In fact, a few people already have. In fact, I think one, it, there was one um, think critic who called it near dark for a generation. Mm-hmm. Both the cannibals uh, in Bones and All and the vampire gangs in near dark live as drifting vagabonds. Yeah. Bill Paxton's character and Mark Rylance's character um, are, are both sadistic and somewhat symp- sympathetic characters because... They do terrible things, but deep down, they want to be valued and accepted by others. Yeah. They're looking for that community within within this weird world. (laughs) Neither vampirism nor cannibalism are depicted as lifestyles to necessarily envy in either of these (laughs) films. They're essentially diseases. Yeah. Um, just, Just as the vampires have to drink blood to survive, the eaters have to eat to survive. Yeah. And just as Near Dark is considered by some, I think even Catherine Bigelow herself in one of the commentaries tracks, um, to be an allegory of drug addiction, Bones and All has had similar interpretations. Mm. On the next Best Picture podcast, Net- Matt Neglia, Dan Bayer, and Zoe Rose Bryant, they pointed out that it could be looked at as an allegory of the AIDS crisis in the 1980s. Okay. And like people losing someone to AIDS. Yeah, I could see where that comparison would come up. And I love both. I I love both soundtracks to these movies. Uh, the soundtrack uh, in Near Dark by Tangerine Dream is the perfect mix of no pun intended, dreamy and moody. Mm. And most of all, both films at their core are are love stories about people at lost in their lives during crossroads. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I haven't seen Near Dark since like I was a teenager. It's been forever and I don't recall the score. I need to like go back. I need to rewatch it anyway, but I need to hear that score again because I mean, Tangerine Dream scores are always awesome. But uh, I was going to save my this first puzzle piece that I'm going to bring up uh, for later. But since you're talking about a 1987 vampire movie, I guess I'll bring this one up now. And that is The Lost Boys, another oh, 1987 vampire great movie. Pick, great pick. Yeah. Um, again, that setting of like uh, Reagan era 80s, you know, and uh, not setting it, you know, nowadays or anything like that, setting it back then. And the this kind of like underground network of these people who all find each other um, in, in that movie, they're vampires in this movie, they're cannibals, but um, they're, they're living on the outskirts. They're, they're underground. And, you know, obviously they're not going to fit in in normal society, but they find each other and they make connections with each other and help each other out. Um, or in some cases, uh, are dangerous to one another. And so there's, they're never feel safe no matter who they connect with, but at the same time, they need to have something to connect with. And so that the, both of these movies really seem to have that. And like you were just saying with near dark, I, I think it fits with all three of them. And, 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 and what you're saying, and, and back to the community thing, another thing that armor lost boys near dark, uh, have that bone song has too, is there's like sort of like a hierarchy of vampires mm-hmm. and cannibals. Yeah, absolutely. Which, I, I guess you would imagine if 
something like this happened in the real world, uh, you know, that somebody would take charge. You know? So I, I, mean, like, I guess it would happen. Like, like what Michael Stuhlbarg's saying, like, um, like there's before bones and all, and there's after bones and all kind of like you're, yeah. you're not a true cannibal until bones and all. Yeah. <laughs> Which by the way, Michael Stuhlbarg, my favorite, maybe, maybe, maybe my favorite performance of the year. You like that, that's how good he is in this. You know, I was wondering like, if somebody like if someone did what if someone choked on a bone <laughs> yeah i know i mean that's maybe that's why they all need friends like they, <laughs> they, they, they need someone to help them out when that happens but uh yeah seriously <laughs> i i don't see <laughs> i don't see how that could possibly work but uh in the movie it works i guess so. or like um uh, um mama cast mamas and the papas but like choking <laughs> Choked on a hamburger, choked on a human burger. There you go. There you go. That sounds uh, that sounds like a way to go for sure. But uh, <laughs> what do you have for your next puzzle piece? Um, my next puzzle piece is I'm a cyborg, but that's okay. Directed by Park Chan Wook. Okay. Um, so it um on. In the film, a girl named Cha Young has a delusion that she's a cyborg and she's institutionalized. Um, and she starves herself. She speaks to inanimate objects. She also has this bad habit of physically harming herself. Mental illness seems to run in Cha Young's family for her grandmother, whom she was very close with, had a delusion she was a mouse. And a lot of her problems stem from losing the grandmother she was so close with. Cha Young even keeps her grandmother's dentures. And at mm. the mental hospital, Cha Young meets a schizophrenic kleptomaniac patient named Il Sun. He has a delusion that he could steal other people's souls. The two fall in love. It's a charming love story with very funny surrealist elements. Someone on Letterboxd described it as a South Korean version of Amelie set in a psychiatric ward. <laughs> there you go. There's some the puzzle fantasies pieces. these characters have in their psychotic minds are quite hilarious. And this is the most colorful eye-popping production design i've ever seen of a movie set in a mental hospital seriously the color palette is insane like bones and all the lovers in cyborg bond over what makes them misunderstood outcasts in society which is their mental illness and there's a hill shot and i'm a cyborg but that's okay that's very similar to the hill shot in bones and all mm. um so yeah like finding um connections with someone who is um equally considered like uh inhuman yeah absolutely i you know i've never actually seen that movie but it sounds fantastic and um it's not streaming anywhere but try to see if it's at a library yeah i mean his movies see, are this great is why physical media is important yeah exactly that is why they're important so yeah i'm, I'm gonna have to check that one out all right what's your next piece uh my next piece uh i am gonna go with something i just watched for the first time yesterday uh specifically for this podcast because i had seen so many people mention it as uh something that is most likely uh, a big influence on this film and that's terrence malick's badlands uh which i had one. never i had never seen and honestly is one of the best movies i've ever seen <laughs> like it's, that's how much i love it it's incredible it, it, i mean it's it's such a great debut yeah. Yeah. The fact that that was his first movie is ridiculous. And like, it, it's not just the cinematography and like the, those amazing shots, but like 
the story is fantastic. The dialogue is incredible. Um, it's so original and so unique, even though, you know, you could certainly draw a line back to like a, a Bonnie and Clyde type thing or something. Yeah, like and it, it is inspired from a true story. Yes, yes, absolutely. Which, uh, of course, Bones and All is not. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there's Army Hammer, but that's not, you know, uh, that's not no, neither that's, here nor there. That's just, I think that's just pure coincidence. <laughs> yes, I think so, too. Uh, but, yeah. But the performances from Sissy Spacek and Martin Sheen are wonderful. Yeah. And so good. Fun fact, Sissy Spacek's husband was a production designer on that movie. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. There you go. That's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, I, I think you could just draw like a straight line uh, from that to here. And um, it, two incredible very unique love stories that are just out there. And, and both have landscape cinematography. Yes, definitely. Um, this isn't a puzzle piece, but um, I wonder if Luca Guadagnino was in any way influenced by Vim Benders. When oh, sure. This. Because yeah. um, like Paris, Texas, mm -hmm. the, uh, and that involves drifters and they're, I have yet to see it, but Kings of the Road. Hmm. Yeah, pa Paris, Texas did come to mind for me, actually, because of some of those no shots way. and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I didn't include it on my list I didn't either. either. because yeah. plot-wise, it's obviously very different, but it's just stylistically. If we both thought about it, I'm putting it on the uh, the official list, but uh, <laughs> we won't include it in the uh, no. the main conversation. But uh, but yeah, that that's funny that we both thought of it, but didn't actually include it. So okay. that's, that's cool. What do you got next, though? My next piece is actually a short story by mm -hmm. Mark Twain called okay. Cannibalism in the Cars. And okay. it's a frame narrative with two men on a train. And one of them is a congressman. He tells a story of about being stuck on a train during a major snowstorm. He talks about he and his fellow congressmen resorted to cannibalism for, for survival. And they did it by holding elections for candidates to eat. And it has a signature Mark Twain satirical wit Cannibalism is a metaphor here as well, but in a different context, uh, though it's more so about socioeconomic structures and class struggle, mm. though you can make that uh, argument with Bones and All since it takes place during the Reagan era. And yeah. there's, there does seem to be, in some scenes of Bones and All, some comment, socioeconomic commentary, like with, I guess, I don't. It's not, I wouldn't call it a full rating of the store, mm -hmm. but you get what yeah. I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and like people are, people are desperate basically. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it, it's interesting. I, I find that, um, cause I, I don't know anything about that story, uh, but I, I, I find it really interesting, uh, you bringing that one up because like, like I was saying earlier at the beginning of the conversation that I was worried that people would like maybe reject a story about cannibalism, you know, but cannibalism is a metaphor. I mean, why not? Like it's in yeah, so many and, things. I mean, and I think the reason why we're seeing it as a trend in films today, there's a reason for it. Because mm -hmm. if you look at the history of socioeconomics, people feed off of each other. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that we are heading towards more of that, I feel like. But that's another uh, conversation for another time. But yeah, uh, yeah things are uh, a little bleak, though. But um, at least we have good movies. So um, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I'll go to my uh, my next piece. And I, I had said that you could draw a line uh, from Badlands to Bones and All. 
I think uh, you would maybe take a detour along that line for 1994's Natural Born Killers. You know, I still haven't seen that one yet. Oh, I think... I didn't even really like it that much back when it came out. I thought it was like, eh, I get it, you know, <laughs> like that. That's kind of where I went with it. I rewatched it a couple of years ago, and I really loved it. I thought the satirical elements of it just really uh, stood out as, you know, the these two people who are just so uh, starved for attention and and for fame, and this is the way they go about getting it, and. That is definitely not what Bones and All is. Bones and All is more I of just I think that's a... why, I mean, I, I I haven't seen Natural Born Killers yet, but mm-hmm. I know it's a Lovers on the Run movie like Badlands, but sure. I didn't I didn't watch it for this because it would um because like I know it's a little bit about like fame and fortune. That's not what Bones and All is about, so I decided not to um Yeah, there, there's definitely uh things where where it's 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 got different uh sights in mind with with what it's going after with the story, but still the the mix of a love story and violence, I felt it it does deserve a little bit of a place here on the list. And because it's they're on the run, maybe the travel aspect. Mhm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, it's I, I definitely think it, it it feels like a more vital film now with the way, you know, with social media and people's like, you know, constant craving of attention and validation. You know, it definitely feels like a better movie to watch now. Yeah, it, it, the, they can't like feel like they're human unless they're they're like a validated human being unless they have. <laughs> Yeah, the, the approvalful social media, but that ironically makes you a robot. Yeah, basically, basically. Well, I still have, <laughs> again, I still have yet to watch Natural Born Killers, but I'll keep that in mind when watching it. Awesome. What do you have for your next piece? My next piece. Okay, I know this. It's this is Bones and All is definitely not as whimsical as this film I'm about to mention. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking lovers on the run and in like the natural setting, like um, the outdoors. I'm talking about Wes Anderson's Moonrise Kingdom. Nice. All right. They're both coming of age stories about lovers on the run. They both feature characters who are outcasts in their worlds. They're misunderstood. Uh, And like I'm a cyborg, but that's okay. It touches on mental illness. And as we mentioned earlier, cannibalism is Marin and Lee's disease. And mm. in both films, the lovers are most free when they're outside in the wilderness. Absolutely. They, they both also share that um, w- two people who can't possibly get anything from their families or from, yes. they don't really have families, friends, anything. It's, I, I, thought, I thought about that too. Yeah, it's only each other. families. Yeah, they they only can get any kind of support or love or anything from each other. And so that just makes for such a, a bigger love story, you know? So I, I think that that's yeah. a great one. And also, I would love to see... Wes Anderson hasn't done anything, like, in the world of, like, horror or horror adjacent. And he, I would love to he, see that. He is a really big fan of Rosemary's Baby. Okay, so... Maybe we'll get it eventually. I mean, I, I think that it would be a really interesting direction for him to take with uh, well, with a future project. Even if it's not like a full on horror movie, but like Halloween themed, mm-hmm. like maybe if it involved like witches or wizards. Yeah, that'd be fun. I, I could see that. All right, uh, what's your next piece? I will go with a movie that I have said many times on the show that I don't like, but I know a lot of other people do like it. Uh, and I'm going to go with Dr. Sleep 
the uh, Mike Flanagan, Stephen King uh, sequel. I haven't seen Dr. Sleep, but my brother doesn't like it. I, your brother, I, I agree with your brother. Um, <laughs> but uh, the the uh, the main villain of the movie uh, is Rebecca Ferguson's character, Rose the Hat. And her performance reminds me a lot of what Mark Rylance is doing here with his character, Sully. He's just this like weird on the outskirts, kind of creepy, vaguely threatening presence until he eventually actually is very you know, threatening and evil. But the whole time building up, you're like, not quite sure what is this person trying to do? And they just keep popping up along the way. And the way that the two of them kind of approach their characters, I feel there's a, a, a pretty big comparison. I think that could be made between Rose the Hat and Sully. Yeah. Um. I, I like, I haven't seen Dr. Sleep, but I t my brother, I remember him saying he did not like it. And then one of my friends um, said that, even though they they were not a fan of the movie, they liked Rebecca Ferguson's performance a lot. I think she's the best part of the movie for sure. And yeah. Okay, so my next piece is um, another Lovers on the Run film, David Lynch's Wild at Heart. Okay, this is actually a David Lynch film that I haven't seen yet. Oh, this yeah. is a good one. <laughs> um, of course... It's the story of Sailor, played by Nick Cage, and Lula, played by Laura Dern. Sailor returns from prison after killing in a self-defense situation. He and Lula reunite. Lula's mother, Diane Ladd, played by Diane Ladd, who's Laura Dern's real-life mother, assigns a hitman with some other odd folks to kill Sailor because she does not approve of their union. And just like how Mark Rylance is a maniac in Bones and All, Calling Willem Dafoe's character a psycho uh, is an understatement. He plays his character named Bobby Peru. And he's I, got, I think like, that could be said for most Willem Dafoe roles, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. He, he, he reminds me of Mark Rylance's character. Yeah. They're both crazy in different ways, but both characters stand out visually. Mark Rylance with the with the ponytail uh -huh. and uh, Willem Dafoe with the weird jaws like teeth. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> I, what a fantastic I, I wanna, cast. I want you to watch wild at heart and then let me know what you think, especially of Willem Dafoe's teeth. Oh, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Yeah. That, that is like seriously such a great cast. I, 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 Though all those people, I cannot believe I've never seen it, but I'm going to watch yeah. it, and I cannot wait for those. Teams. It was a Palm Door winner. Yeah, yeah. I, I. It's one one of those movies, kind of like Badlands. Like I said, I just watched for the first time. One of those movies. It's always been on my list. I just never got around to it. Yeah, and out of all the Lovers on the Run movies, I chose this. In addition to Moonrise Kingdom, I chose this one because both this and Bones and All sort of take place in heightened realities. Hmm. Yeah, And both couples try to live the best they can under the most hellish circumstances. Mm -hmm. Whether they can actually physically survive in these worlds is a question for another day. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's interesting, yeah, because the, it, it, you know, it, it's so beautifully shot that it feels like our world, but at the same time, like, you know, there's roving gangs of cannibals. Like, you know, it's definitely yeah. heightens, so. <laughs> yeah, 
Well, I will go with my final puzzle piece, uh, which we, we've already talked about vampires on this, but I felt like uh, I needed to include the Twilight series on my puzzle <laughs> piece list. Uh, these are very pretty people, and they're in very deeply in love, and they are uh, maybe not supernatural vampires, but they're you know not too far off, like we've discussed with some of our other puzzle pieces. And so uh, I felt like it it really fits and just like the metaphor of just how deeply and how difficult it can be to be in love when you're young. Um, I, I think that that is something that is what twilight's all about really. And that is something that is captured here as well in bones and all. And you can also make that connection with, um, let the right one in. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about let the right one in too. while making my list. I didn't include it, but, uh, definitely you can include that there as well. Um, you know what's funny? Before Twilight, uh, or like before Twilight came out, or like around time Twilight came out, I wondered could vampires get AIDS? But I didn't realize that <laughs> yeah. uh, you know they're already dead. Yeah, they're already dead, so I guess they don't have to worry about it. No. Um. <laughs> so you have and, one more piece. Yeah, and it's actually a poem by okay. Edna Saint Vincent Millay, and the themes of this poem are similar to the film. It's called love is not all. It is not meat nurturing. Okay. That's the first line. Okay. Love is not all. It is not meat nor drink, nor slumber, nor a roof against the rain, nor yet a floating spar to men that sink and rise and sink and rise and sink again. Love cannot fill the thickened lung with breath nor clean the blood, nor set the fractured bone. Yet many a man is making friends with death, even as I speak for lack of love alone. It well may be that in a different hour, pinned down by pain and moaning for release, or nagged by want past resolution's power, it might be driven to sell your love for peeps, or trade the memory of this night for food, it well may be. I do not think I would. Hmm. Now I can I can absolutely see the combination of elements in there that would draw you to include that as a piece here. I, I like that a lot. That is really cool. Yeah. I mean, I come from a literary background, so Yeah. No, that's really cool. I, I like that. That's a great piece to go out on. That that is a great place for us to wrap it up. Um I will read down our list of puzzle pieces here for the finished puzzle. We talked about Near Dark, The Lost Boys, I'm a Cyborg, but that's okay, Badlands, we threw Paris, Texas in there, Cannibalism in the Cars, Natural Born Killers, Moonrise Kingdom, Dr. Sleep, Wild at Heart, Twilight, we included Let the Right One In, and then Love is Not All, which, uh, like I said, a really interesting way to, uh, to tie that all up, and a really interesting yeah. list of puzzle pieces here. A lot of lovers on the run, of course. This was a lot of this was a lot of fun doing this with you I, we should do this again yeah I, I i i would love to um do you have any like closing thoughts on bones and all anything we didn't quite get to while going through puzzle pieces um yeah so as far as like what the cannibalism is a metaphor for mm -hmm. um it it could it could be a metaphor for wanting to fill a place within mm -hmm. one's soul feeling lost feel the hunger for something more mm -hmm. out of life sure 
I feel like it could be it could be that, but it could be so many things, and that's part of right. And part, it's, it's it's you can write a whole list of what the cannibalism could be an allegory for. Yeah, and I I think that that's some of the some of the most exciting things in a movie is when you know you really don't have that clear answer, and there there are a lot of things that you can kind of fill in the blank there with, and they all feel right, and they all feel fully realized, and that's part of what I think yeah. makes this movie so successful. Um, but also, you know, kind of to take it back to the puzzle pieces, you know, we, we, we talked about uh, Badlands and Natural Born Killers. We talked about um, things like you were talking about Wild at Heart or then like going into things like Near Dark and uh, The Lost Boys. It It's such a wide range of things, but it doesn't feel like any of them necessarily it's it's got so many uh so many of its own things to say about some of those same themes and and that's you know that's it's a really interesting film for sure i really like that about it one one other thing i was going to mention and not really as a puzzle piece necessarily but um the trent reznor atticus ross score the closest thing i think i've heard out of trent reznor in one of his film score works to a nine inch nails album like it felt like it could have been some of the more atmospheric tracks on the downward spiral or something like that oh you know what movie i thought of too while watching don't hmm. because of the 80s and and really one scene i thought of adventureland oh i love adventureland that movie Me absolutely too. rules yeah so much fun. Uh, a, a lot more uh, upbeat, I would say, but uh, certainly the 80s, um, the, the 80s. And I could see like if, if these two, if these two, you know, didn't meet the end, they do. Uh, you know, I could see them like ending up at some like fun jobs or something and making friends like in Adventureland. You know? you know, I was I have a theory that I mean, they don't show her eating him. Mm hmm. But. Like, I have a theory, like, that she doesn't, I mean, it's, it's implied that, most likely implied that she does, but. Yeah. It, I have a theory that she may not have all gone through with it. And, yeah. And she just couldn't. And that sh next shot on the hill is them continuing living life as drifters. And. That, that's how, that's how a good love story should end, right? Yeah, <laughs> but, but even um, as drifters, there's a lot of complications to that. And like, who's to say that other cannibals couldn't hunt them down and try to eat them? Yeah, I mean, Stahlberg's still out there, so. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> With those creepy yeah, eyes. Yeah, I would be afraid. <laughs> I'd be afraid of him. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that, oh yeah, he, and David Gordon Green, for that matter. And David Gordon Green, absolutely, looking like a good outback hick. Um, he, he really, uh, he really rocked yeah. that role for sure. So <laughs> yeah, like it's. It, I don't want to like sound stereotypical, but it's almost like they were kind of poking fun of. It, this is. I just. I just had this thought. This takes place in the Reagan era. Mm -hmm. What if like. I don't know if this was Guadagnino and the screenwriter. I can't pronounce his last name. Mm -hmm. David Kajikic, whatever. But yeah, I wonder if they were trying to sort of poke fun at um, like rednecks or hicks in mm -hmm. that time period. Yeah. Yeah. Very possibly. I mean, because, you know, th th there's a time before cell phones and everything where like, you know, you get lost in those woods like. Shit's scary, you know? <laughs> you know, and, and you bring up cell phones. Someone, Ryan Verrill from The Disconnected, I think he said that 
Um, all he believes that like most horror movies should, if not all, should take place in the past because if it's set in the present, things are more convenient and then, you know. Yeah, you can get out of any situation a lot easier nowadays. So <laughs> that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I I think that's a good place to wrap up, Bones and that's All. That's a great place it, to end. Definitely. Is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Um. Yes. I My mom and I just finished watching Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Oh, yeah. And I absolutely loved it. And I also recently watched... Uh, on the sight and sound top 100 uh sunrise a song of two lovers that was brilliant okay right on yeah i i, I haven't seen that but i did uh watch uh del toro's pinocchio and i loved it and uh we actually have an episode coming my up mom soon. my mom and i were cheering oh it's so good so much fun <laughs> well right on uh josie tell people where they could find you and your youtube channel and all that um, well, my full name is Josephine DeMarco on YouTube, just my full name. And then you can follow me on Twitter at Josie Poetess. And uh, you can follow me at tic- on TikTok at Josie Film and Lit. Great. Well, like we said earlier, this was a lot of fun. And uh, definitely, I would love to get you back on again sometime. Great. That's Serena over there. And that's Naomi, and we are the hosts of Weird Mythic Podcast. Yes, we are. Our show, Weird Mythic, covers stories about cryptids, which is what brought us together to create this show. But we also like to talk about anything paranormal and strange that happens in the world. We post episodes every Sunday on different topics, and we would love to have more listeners. We're on all podcast platforms, and you can find us on all social media sites as well. Give us a listen, send us some personal stories to share on the show, and we will love you forever. Yes, we will. We would love some personal stories, some cryptid encounters, and we hope that you listen and tune into the show. You can listen to Weird Mythic Podcasts wherever you get your podcast fix. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Bones and all. Thank you to Josie for joining me on that one. And thank you to all of you for listening. If you're enjoying what we do here on Piecing It Together, make sure you are subscribed wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And we'd really appreciate your five-star ratings if you could take a you know a minute out and do that, whether that's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Good Pods, Podchaser. If there's a five-star button, Uh, maybe even type a little review. I would really appreciate that. You could also uh, follow us on social media at PiecingPod, join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And don't forget about our Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together. I currently have an episode on Black Adam, an episode on Strange World, and one on Broker. And I might have one or two others in there. Also, a preview of my new album is in there, which, by the way, my new album, more content on pre-order right now. Uh, the album comes out December 30th. It's awesome, guys. I'm so excited to finally have this thing out. And I've started shipping copies to people who have ordered copies. You can order them on Bandcamp, davidrosen.bandcamp.com. Uh, the album will be streaming on December 30th. And I will be posting on December 30th a commentary track of the album uh, here on Piecing It Together so you can hear it and hear some background stories on the album. Uh, But yeah, I'm really excited for everyone to hear it. So that is coming soon. 
check out the Patreon. It's produced by David Rosen, patreon.com slash by David Rosen. Lots of great content from piecing it together. Awesome movie year and from my music career. And while I do have the new album coming out, I wanted to play a track, not from that album, uh, but one that I thought would be a really good fit for Bones and All. I've played this before. It's been a while, I think. Uh, it's called A Stranger, and this song is from my album, An Unseen Sky. And I've always loved this song, and I feel like this one would fit the vibe of Bones and All. So we'll go out with A Stranger. Hope you enjoy it. We'll be back for more Piecing It Together real soon.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.